0: Welcome to the Merchant Sales Podcast. This is the podcast for agents and ISOs that want to grow a profitable book of business in the merchant services industry. You know, I don't know, Patty, usually I feel like we're you know, sharing our knowledge. Today, I feel like I learned so much. I did too. I think there's a, you know, we have a great interview
1: with George. Who would have thought ATM machines were so interesting? I know, right? And uh, and and who would have thought that
0: they've been around so long, right? Yeah, I know. And that they have such so much of a future going forward. They really do. And it's interesting too, kind of the overlap with cash discounting mm-hmm. and we've been talking a lot about that. And mm-hmm. so... Um, just a really, and I, you know, also, I think such an amazing investment opportunity. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's really exciting. So this one, we're starting off with your insider's report. Yes, we are. So let's uh, learn about ATMs. This is the insider's report with Patty Murphy brought to you by GreenSheet.com, a premier resource for the electronic payments industry. The green sheet has been on the beat since 1983, always focused on boosting the feet on the street in our evolving sphere.
1: While the complete demise of cash has been predicted for years, there are several reasons that that's not going to happen anytime soon. First of all, not everyone has access to a credit or debit card, and there's always going to be people who want to pay cash, with cash, at least for some things, for any number of reasons. I'm a baby boomer, for example, and like a lot of folks of my generation, I still carry cash. I use it for small dollar purchases, and I almost always tip with cash, even when I'm paying for a meal with plastic. And that brings me to ATMs. ATMs may seem ubiquitous in today's world, but it hasn't always been that way. In fact, they've only been around for about 50 years, which in a business like payments is a relatively newbie. Hmm. Banks for years uh, deployed and drove most ATMs. The business has never been lost on merchants, however. In fact, the first bank to deploy an off-premise ATM, which was back in the 1970s, was a community bank in upstate New York that put an ATM in a local grocery store. At the time, supermarkets commonly doubled as as check cashers. Uh, Workers whose schedules didn't accommodate depositing paychecks during traditional banker's hours would cash their checks generally for free at the local supermarket and use some of that cash to pay for groceries. So renting space for banks to deploy their ATMs soon made a lot more sense. And eventually, so did POS debit. Today, there are just over four hundred and seventy thousand ATMs in the U.S., according to the National ATM Council, which is a aso- trade association uh, representing ATM companies. Hmm. Um, and in fact, the U.S. is the has the most per capita ATMs of any country in the world. <laughs> really? Well, yeah, I thought that was very interesting. Now, today, of these (laughs) 470,000 in the U.S., only about 40% are owned and operated by the banks. The remainder are owned by non-banks, including ISOs. Hmm. And better than two-thirds of all ATMs deployed in the U.S. are in retail locations. Wow. Which is very interesting, especially back in the day when you'd have to go find a bank. Right. Um there also have been several hundred ATMs deployed specifically for buying and selling bitcoins, which I think is kind of interesting.
0: Yeah. Huh.
1: So um, as for consumer usage, research suggests that 2 uh, to 4% of people who see an ATM will use it. And upwards of 40% of the dollars withdrawn from an ATM at a retail location are spent at that location. Wow.
0: That's a big... That's a really big number. That's, that's surprising a, me, actually.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, so this, in my mind, this data suggests that ATMs are a logical move for ISOs and agents to offer to existing customers. Sure. And prospects. Right. You know, businesses that have captive audiences and a lot of foot traffic are obvious places for ATMs. Convenience stores, quick service restaurants, bars and nightclubs, entertainment complexes and car, uh, concert halls, shopping malls, hotels, Cash-only establishments. Sure. As uh, we've discussed in the past, even maybe uh, cash-discounting businesses. Sure, yep. Right? Uh, Travel stops, government buildings. Think Mm -hmm. of uh, DMV, you know, the motor vehicle. Oh, right. Right? Yep. And office parks. That's definitely another captive audience type of um, situation. I also suspect ATMs um, will be sought after by any merchant offering t- cash discounts, at least, at, you know, if not immediately, right. certainly, you know, soon after, because after all, what merchant is going to want to send a potential customer over to another merchant's locale right. to get the cash to spend at their of place? Of course not. Um, there are scores of uh, co- ATM companies that work with ISOs and MLSs, with the largest of these being Cardtronics and Payment Alliance International. Uh, or Pai, I think it's worth noting that Pai, which was a fairly large had, was a fairly large acquiring organization, mm-hmm. sold off its merchant card portfolio f- a few years ago to ex- focus exclusively on ATMs. Wow. Um, so these companies can and often do handle all of the heavy lifting associated with ATM programs, from placement, transaction routing, uh, the cash vaulting, armored car services. ATM cash management and tech support. Sure. And uh, as our interview, you know, our interview with George uh, uh, Sarantopoulos will show us uh, there's some real opportunities here for there ISOs
0: are. and MLS. You know, the things that to me, that one of the most interesting things about it is the placement. Yes. Because it's so different. It's like, you know, merchant services is almost like, you know, oh, hey, everybody accepts credit card, everybody is a potential, right. you know. Whereas you got to have foot traffic for that ATM machine. Yeah. Yeah. And you so. Do. You know, and, it, and it's like, you know, if you have the foot traffic, boy, it can be really profitable, mm-hmm. long-term, very sticky. Mm-hmm. You don't have the foot traffic, don't waste money. I mean, they're just expensive. It's a big machine you got to put in it's there. It's a lot
1: of expensive. You got to stock
0: it with cash. You know, there's a lot that goes into it.
1: Uh-huh. And it's like, you know, I sometimes I notice I'll I'll be in D.C. or Baltimore or, you know, some of the cities mm-hmm. around me. And I walk down the street, and there's like ATMs out front of all these restaurants. And yeah. I'm thinking... You can't be making enough money on those ATMs. Right. It's not worth it. Because it's like, you know, within a block, I I count three or four ATMs. Sure. Uh, I just don't quite see where that is. But on the other hand, you're in an office park. Right. Or a food court. Sure. You know, um, I see uh, movie theaters. I see them at movie theaters Mm -hmm. lately.
0: You know? Yep. Yeah. And, you know, it seems to me like there's still at least, you know... Several times a year it seems like for me where I'm somewhere and I'm like, Stink, there's no ATM machine. Yeah. So yeah. it still feels like there's some opportunity. There
1: are some. I mean I I, I went into a, a convenience store not long ago because I needed cash and I figured right. okay, what I usually do, I get the cash and then I buy a soda or something, right? Right. right. I walk in, I'm like, where's your ATM? Oh, we don't have one. You have to go to the grocery store next door.
0: Well, there goes their business. The grocery like, store is 40% less expensive.
1: Right? <laughs> you know that the ATM is going to be cheaper in, at the grocery store. Right. And that soda I was going to buy from you, right? I'm not going to buy from you now. Right. I'm walking all the way across,
0: back, back over to get your soda. To,
1: yeah, why bother? I mean, if right. I'm going to be over to the supermarket, I might as well do some shopping while I'm there.
0: Right, exactly.
1: And I think that is the one thing about ATMs. Um, you know, there's a lot more um, impulse spending, I would suspect. Hmm. Um you know interesting because i i mean no at least from my own experience yeah you know more than once you know i go into the convenience store i get my cash mhm Oh, I was only going to come get cash,
0: but since right. I got all this cash, right. I might as well. You know, it's funny too, like we talk, uh, even on this episode, um, you know, on, about some of the stuff about, you know, I don't carry cash and things like that. Right. You know, it's funny. Actually, I think the main reason I don't is because whenever I have, you know, if I have a $50 bill, if I it's have gone. three twenties, yeah, I don't know what yeah. happened. Where'd I go? I know. I'm now, the same way. As an individual, obviously that's why I don't carry cash, but as a business... I want to get some of those 20s. Mm -hmm. So I think the ATM machine is an interesting opportunity. Yeah, I really think so. And now it's time for our interview with George Sarantopoulos, CEO of Access One Solutions and chair of the National ATM Council. His insights into ATM and the future of cash in the U.S., will really surprise you and provide some exciting information so let's go over to Patty and start our interview
1: so today our featured interview is with George Sarantopoulos uh, CEO of access one solutions which is headquartered in Brooklyn New York one of my favorite places Uh, Mm -hmm. access one has built a book of business providing ACM placement ATM placement and support services but I'm gonna leave that to uh, George to explain his business and his career path so George, welcome to the uh, Merchant Sales Podcast, and uh, would you be so kind as to give our listeners some background on, um, you know, your career, what attracted you to merchant services and ATMs in particular?
2: Sure. Um, Well, um, I'm originally from the hospitality and restaurant business. Uh Uh-huh. I was in the restaurant business in the 90s, and up to the early 2000s, um... And uh, a, a company came in, uh, I would say about uh, the year 2000, 2001, around that time, and came in and uh, tried to sell me an ATM. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, the guy actually said the most idiotic thing ever <laughs> in a sales call. Uh, he sat down with me and he said, oh, by the way, on Friday, if you need some money, he said... Uh, you know, you could just go to the ATM and use your ATM card and get cash.
1: <laughs>
2: wow. And I said, buddy, I own a restaurant. I have to register. I'm the owner. If I need money, I'll just go to the register and take some cash out. Right, right. You know? <laughs> That's funny. So I said, wow, I could do a lot better job than that. I mean, you know. Right. I mean, and uh, I started investigating it. And uh, I had a family member who was in the credit card business. And I said, Called him up and I said, "Hey, by the way, do you know anything about this?" And he said, "Yeah, I've been think I've been looking at it myself." And he said, "You know, I'm just you know, I don't really have the funds, and you know, I wanted to diversify a little bit away from the restaurant business, so I invested some money." And that was uh, that was in, in early two thousand. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But you know, as all family businesses go, it didn't uh, <laughs> didn't go so well.
1: Right. And,
2: uh, 2003, 2004, um, as things happen, as, as these things go, it fell apart and those customers started calling me up and they started knowing me and I started mm-hmm. helping out with the business and I was less in the restaurant business because of September 11th. Right. Uh, uh, to give you a little background on that, uh, not to jump all over the place, but my, it was a family run business. We had three restaurants in the downtown Manhattan area and by 2002 2003 they all evaporated you know oh
1: because, wow because of all the sure all the
2: uh, traffic well, that was like martial law right uh a hundred thousand jobs disappeared from downtown mm-hmm. you know besides you know unfortunately all the
1: people, all the people that were, killed, were pa- killed right
2: right right killed a hundred thousand jobs you know wow. disappeared downtown wow. so in short order even though we got federal aid and money, I lived at work at downtown at the time. Uh, those restaurants, you know, one after the other, they all disappeared. Mm, mm. Wow. Um, you know, it is what it is. So originally, uh, I was like, well, good thing I have this investment on the side, Started right. making a little bit of money, but now it became uh, more survival, you know, because, you know, it was, sure. it was, it was the only income I had coming in. And, uh, you know, I started learning sales, um, you know, I was used to sitting behind a counter or sitting behind the register or walking around the restaurant talking to customers. Uh, I had to now go into a store, talk to a customer, and learn how to do that.
1: Was that a, and- was that a huge adjustment for you? Because I would imagine, I mean, being in a restaurant, obviously you have to be very social and, and so forth. but. Selling food isn't the same as selling business services, obviously. Uh, uh, it, it
2: was it was a big it was a big it was a big adjustment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to tell you the truth. I mean the 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 first couple of years, I'd I'd sit in front of the uh, appointment. You know, we had a telemarketing team, right. And I'd sit in front of the appointment in my car for ten, fifteen minutes to work up the nerves.
0: Uh huh. Oh my, I've been there so many times. I understand. Oh no, yeah. I think we all <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: understand. I'm being a little too honest, but no, 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 uh, no not, not at all.
0: Not at all. Believe me, every everyone listening right now who has ever sold anything business to business knows exactly what you're talking about. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: to work to work up the nerve to go in there, and I, yeah. I did a little trick that kind of helped me. Um and I don't know if it, it'll help and I don't know if, if people have done very similar things but at least it helped me I said hey I'm not George Sarantopoulos I'm an actor I'm George Sarantopoulos the actor <laughs>
1: I'm
2: playing a sales guy
1: I mean, right
2: obviously. and I would put at least in the beginning I mean now uh, it's a completely different game I'll just walk into any store I don't care Of course, but, right. but back then uh, I, I did the actor you
0: gotta fake it till you that, make it
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Fake until you make it. I mean, for the lack of a better word,
0: that—that's <laughs> uh-huh.
2: exactly that's exactly what I did in the beginning right. for the first couple of years.
1: So many of us do. So many of us do. Well, well, that's really interesting, George. So, so tell me. I mean, you know, I've been around writing about payments for longer than James has been around, I suspect. <laughs> um, but you know, and I've heard so many times over the years the coming cashless society. And, you know, while this might not occur in in our lifetimes, there are many people, James among them, who uh, take pride in the fact that they don't carry cash. Right. Um, So, yeah. (laughs) So, you know, that's what I wanted to pose to you, uh, George. I mean, you know, is cash becoming a thing of the past? If so, are ATMs destined to go the way of video stores? Or or is it, as I believe, that uh, cash is king?
2: Well, I, um, I think cash is very important to our society.
1: Uh, mm-hmm.
2: And uh, not to get all political on, you know, it's not the nature of the show. But the, uh, the problem with, you know, I, the, my concern with cash going away, because I'm, I tend to be, you know, me and my wife tend to be more libertarian thinking, is, you know, the ability to deplatform somebody. Mm-hmm. Sure. I feel that, you know, whether you... Well, you know, I mean, obviously, again, I don't want to get all political, but there's been people that have been deplatformed off of PayPal, They've been right? Deplatformed off of Twitter and Facebook, and yeah, you know, maybe there are some of them are despicable people. They need to be, but I, I'm I'm an absolute. I believe in the absolute right to the First Amendment, and here you're going to have people. I, I, I I'm I, I'm I have a problem with a system. That might deplatform people from the play- payments space. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
2: You know where somebody, you know, maybe Patty. You know, she supports the legal, you know, and it could be something minor.
1: You know. yeah, I, I, yeah, right. Legalization of cannabis or uh, something. Yeah. No, no. Pro yeah, I mean, no life or anti, you
2: know. Right. Whatever, right, you
1: know. right. Yeah, exactly. The the, the weather women of uh, the new millennial.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, whatever whatever the cause may be, the minister, the, you know, whatever administration could come in and say, you know what, we're going to deplatform James from the payment system or we're going to mm-hmm. deplatform Patty from the payment system. So good luck, you know, <laughs> Good right. luck getting paid, you know, uh, you know, from the green sheet, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or so that that I, I, I have a big problem with that, you know, and I, I feel cash. Nobody can be deplatformed from the cash. Right. You know, you can you can bury it in your backyard if, we're, if, if things get really bad. I mean, you know, that that's yeah. where I am at, where cash, you know, people that are rushing into this cashless system need to think about.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, I, years ago I used to take a class from 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 a guy, and um, one day, you know, I was like, "It's if I okay if I pay you with cash." And as he said to me, "My dear, cash has no enemies." <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if is that, is that still true though. I mean, don't Visa, Mastercard, uh, well, cryptocurrency. Perhaps. I mean, I feel like cash has uh, a growing number of enemies daily, actually, in today's society.
1: Yeah, although I don't think cryptocurrency is an enemy of it as much as it's a cohort
0: yeah true I, yeah. I think I think a lot of I think a lot of the ideas that you know you really you just talked about um, I think a lot of those same ideas are with cryptocurrency mm-hmm. of, of you know not wanting to you know wanting to have a, some anonymity and, and not wanting to m- maybe be tracked online and right things right. of that nature want, yeah exactly sure. so.
2: I, and look there's I, you know on the flip side there's legitimate concerns you know we want to make sure our money's not f- funding terrorism and sure sure. The four uh, horsemen, you know, as I call them, you know, terrorism, child pornography, uh, um, gun selling, you know, whatever. Guns they
1: are. and drugs, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, guns and drugs. You know, right. I mean, we obviously don't want to live in a society where it's anarchy, but we, right. you know, but but privacy needs to be baked into the cake.
1: Oh yeah, no, I I agree it's with like, you. It's
0: always a balancing act. I feel like you yeah. know, and it's like for me, I mean, I, you know, even though. I don't carry cash just out of you know convenience, uh, but at the same time, I feel like it's still an important part of society. I really do. I think well, you, know, you know it yeah. needs to be there. You well, know.
1: it's interesting also. You know, I grew up in the in the '60s and the early '70s, and you know, a trick that the police would often use on 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 young hippies was if you didn't have any money, they could ar- arrest you for being a vagrant. <laughs> and so yeah. ever since I've been a kid, it's like, you always have, have always have a little money in my <laughs> pocket.
2: <laughs> I think They call that loitering in New
1: York. Yeah, That's right. True. I know, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, loitering, vagrancy. Yeah, but the same thing. It was just a reason to hassle you. And, right, sure. And, and, of course, in the old days, it was like if you had a quarter, you could make a phone call. Of course, that doesn't.
0: Sure. Keep, well, we, and you know what, uh, George, I mean, to your point, I mean, it, you know, I've had situations. I remember my, my wife and I, we took a trip uh, to D.C one year Mm -hmm. and we get there and I don't even remember what happened some kind of fraud had happened with my card or whatever and we get to this beautiful hotel right down from the White House we have all these plans and my card didn't there work. Oh, and you know, and at that time, I didn't have the ability to transfer the funds electronically where I needed them or whatever. Right. And you know, I one thing that uh, my wife Christina, her dad always says when you go on a trip, you get you take out cash. Yes, always. And I had several. I think I had over a thousand dollars in cash, yeah, yeah. and I was very glad that I did because uh-huh. I really needed it. I, I was deplatformed, right, George, to your point, but you know, for a, a week, but or a few days or whatever. But I mean, I was you know, it's very disconcerting. Very, very it makes you realize how dependent well, well,
1: you are. Also well, makes you I, dependent on those age atms too because yeah. at least you could have right gotten more cash
2: well i hope you use some of our machines we have a lot of machines in dc i, prob-
0: <laughs> I probably did
1: <laughs>
2: well actually that's a great segue
1: george how about uh, giving us a little bit of background on access one you know how many machines or at least a ballpark some of the locales yeah, your here. geographic footprint so forth
2: absolutely we are in uh, 31 states Uh, But our primary focus, of course, is the Northeast. We have a lot of machines in New York, Philadelphia, and Washington, D.C. I would say it's the bulk of our machines.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: in New York, New Jersey, Philly, and Washington. But we are across the country, all the way from New York to the other side, to Los Angeles. Uh Uh, We are approximately about 2,000 machines. Uh, I would say we own about a quarter of them. The rest are... Uh, as we call it in our industry sub isos right mm-hmm. and they are you know they'll purchase and buy the machines from us and they'll um, operate them like a vending route and uh-huh. then we have you know probably a couple hundred merchant owned machines uh, you know convenience store chains and right
0: and, and, sure. and,
2: and light and whatnot that own the equipment themselves you know
1: and, and what kind of locales are these I mean are they are they I mean I would imagine I see a lot and convenience stores and restaurants. Can you give me a, an idea of
2: where you well, see the, it? Yeah, the equipment we own uh, ourselves tend to be corporate accounts. We have a team inside uh, who deals with corporate sales. Uh-huh. Uh, that's headed by my partner in that. Uh, his name's Robert Teichman. He's our VP of Business Development. And he does a lot of the uh, corporate sales for us. Uh, but the uh, you know we don't want to compete with our sub-ISOs out there.
1: Right, right. Sure.
2: And uh, and then we have uh, you know we have this middle space where we have a lot of agents who who have sold to the merchants successfully. Mm-hmm. We've been getting a lot more calls in the last year or two about that because you know agents, as you know, want to diversify their offerings.
1: Sure. Right. So do you? Yeah. So are you seeing then that more and more agents coming to you? I mean, and do you? I mean, do you have a sort of an outreach with agents? What, if an agent was interested in, in getting into the ATM business, how how would that work? Would they come yeah. to you, or you go to them?
2: No, they actually come to us. It's a lot of word of mouth at this point, uh-huh. and and that that's enough to keep us busy. Uh, you know, because they need a little handholding in the beginning and that's fine. We, you know, we're here to help them and we're, we're glad to, you know, it's not their sweet spot. So we're, we're okay with that. And usually we, we work out two types of arrangements. Either one time uh, they'll act as a sales agent. They'll sell the equipment to a merchant. Mm-hmm. And uh, now I guess because agents are starting to, you know, their residuals are beefing up over the years. They're like, Hey, I want to, I talked to the merchant. He doesn't want to buy the equipment. Uh, what do you think, George? If I buy the equipment, and then you know, I'm going to get my brother-in-law, my lazy, do for good for nothing brother-in-law, <laughs> who's always asking me for money. Uh, I'm going to get him to vault all my machines.
1: Right, right.
2: And, and I'm like, yeah, it's a good. You know, it's it. You know, let me let me look at the location. You know, let me give you my assessment on it, and I'll tell you if it's good or bad. You know, I, we don't want agents. We don't want anyone to invest in equipment that's going to be worthless, you know. Right. And uh, we've, we've had guys starting to do that. You know, we, we have uh, a guy who's got a good credit card book, and he's got about 25, 26 machines out there right now. So mm. he's making a nice other residual out there. And uh, – mm. I believe, I believe. You know, all kidding aside, I do think he has his brother-in-law working for him. So. <laughs> yes. But I didn't say he was good for nothing.
0: that was hypothetical. That was
1: hypothetical, of course. <laughs> so, what 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 kind of advice would you have, George, for an, for an agent or an ISO that's wondering if they should get involved in 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 this ATM business?
2: Well, I, I would see how much bandwidth do you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, is it something that you can handle? Um, if it's not, then we can work out a, a different type of arrangement where you give us a referral.
1: Okay. And, you
2: know, we'd, we'd kick you a fee of some sort. Uh, if uh, you're more interested, you can you can talk to the you know talk to the merchant. You have enough bandwidth to handle that and time. Uh, and uh, you know we you know we can guide you on that. And if you want to go the full gambit, you know you want to you want to invest in equipment. You want to make a lot more money. You know, we can be there for you on that too. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. so it's, it, we, it could come in two, three different flavors for you. Okay.
0: You know, George, let me, I wanted to jump in real quick and just kind of break that down a little bit more specifically because I know um, a lot of agents are listening right now that maybe have, you know, two or 300 accounts, but um, they have no idea what we're talking about right now. So mm-hmm. when, you're, when you're talking about these machines, so can we break that down a little bit? So the cost of the machines is, you know, two or $3,000 for, for an ATM machine, right? That's correct. That's correct. So there's uh, so unlike merchant services, there's a really you know it's a, a pretty sizable investment where you know you want to make sure that this is like a, a high traffic area where there's going to be enough ATM activity to give you a return on investment for the machine, right?
2: That's correct, and there's also leasing available. Uh, sure. In the market, I mean these are not. $100 or $150 terminals.
0: Right, right.
2: You know, significant investment uh, for, you know, mom and pop, daily right. growth, whatever. And, so. and what
0: is, George, what's the what's the value proposition for the merchants um, in these two different situations? In other words, I would assume it's a pretty different sales pitch or value proposition for you should buy one of these ATMs for your convenience store versus I want to buy an ATM machine and put it in. Because I'm guessing if, you know, as an agent, if the agent or the ISO is buying the ATM and kind of giving it to them for quote-unquote for free, um, in that situation, I would assume the business isn't getting as, as big a cut of the fees, right?
2: That, that's exactly correct. Is I mean, there
1: uh, Just out the of so curiosity, is there a leasing option? Though? That's what just okay. Yeah, there's leasing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha, okay. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Sorry. yeah. So let, let's let's. Great questions, by the way. So we, we there's two questions right there. The first question is, let's say there's a uh, a fee of two dollars and fifty cents, three dollars.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. The
2: merchant owns the equipment. He's going to make, let's say, out of the three dollars, he's going to make two fifty or two seventy five.
1: Right. Right. Sure.
2: But that means he's got to have 10, 15 grand. Five, ten, fifteen grand to put into the ATM to stock it, to well, to stock it well.
1: So right. He's not sure.
2: doing uh, it. But, but that might not be, uh, you know, listen, like I said, it could be a mom and pop deli or grocery. Right. And they don't have it, they just right. don't have it. Right. right. Uh, so that's where a lot of times our subs come in or, uh, or some of these agents that are trying to become subs or they're trying to grow their ATM route. And they'll say, Listen, I'll put the machine, I'll put the money, I'll get my brother in law who's sitting around home not doing anything, and I'll get him to load the machines, you know, once or twice a week. And uh, you know, all you out of that three dollars, I'm gonna pay you a dollar or a dollar fifty. Right. And right. the the store owner's like, Okay, that's better than nothing, you know, it's sure. better and right. it's a great draw for me to bring customers into the store. Right. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Cool. Yeah, I just want to kind of clarify that because I know, you know, when I when I first got into, I, I dabbled in ATM a little bit, but you know, when I first got into it, it's such a different world than merchant services that I think a lot of reps are don't really understand the different options there as far as leasing, ownership, you know, free terminal placement. Uh, that it's very different in the ATM side. So.
1: So yeah, but that also brings me to the other question too, in terms of to just to drill down a little bit more on compensation. I mean, mm-hmm. the well, the compensation models for agents. I mean, there's obviously a a um a cut of the of the transaction fee are but are there you know are there um, opportunities for if they sell the ATM to you know how good of an opportunity is that versus like marking lease, up, like marking up, marking equipment up the equipment sales versus leasing for example
2: well there's there's uh, three parts of the uh, of the uh, the pot- potential to make revenue there's the upsell on the equipment uh-huh which- that still exists in the ATM. Not much. But there's some opportunity to make some money, whether it's a direct sale or a lease. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we still have agents, uh, you know, still leasing equipment out there, and you right. know, I'm paying six hundred dollar, eight hundred dollar checks for selling some equipment out there. So there's there's still some some of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the merchants are pretty savvy. Most of them want to do a direct buy. And they you know, you you're not going to be able to mark it up, you know, more than a couple hundred bucks.
1: Okay. So, yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I would say the second part of the revenue is the surcharge and how that's going to be broken up. Hmm. Uh, and that surcharge, let's say out a, you know, using my going back to my hypothetical, three dollars. Right. Uh, you should try to keep something for processing or for. Mm-hmm. Get, making that transaction happen or some kind of warranty program that we you know we offer uh, and there you can keep let's say out of that surcharge maybe another 20 15 20 25 cents mm-hmm. uh, and you know listen that's gonna really depend on how good of a sales guy you are right sure. and then there's the back end which is what we call interchange in the ATM world that is something that the merchant doesn't see
1: uh-huh. and that's
2: the you know dime or 20 cents it depends on what kind car of card they run through.
0: Right.
2: And those are the three main types of places that they can make money.
0: Okay. Uh, and, and then basically the the kind of the other the other avenue there would be like you mentioned they're going to make you know 20 25 cents or whatever out of the $3. The other option would be if they have the capital to invest and they want to go to some of these high profile places and say hey, I'll pay for the ATM machine and put it in. Well, now they can make obviously a lot more, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, uh, an agent called me up recently and they were talking to a bar across the street from Yankee Stadium.
0: Well, wow,
1: nice.
2: And he was like, well, um, you know, to be honest with you, George, I'm thinking <laughs> of buying the... You know, the guy had never thought about it before.
0: Right.
2: Mm-hmm. But he's like, uh, George, you know, to be honest with you, I don't know if I want to sell this to the merchant. I was like, well, you could do a placement. You can put the money in. And... Uh, you know, and then he came back to me a couple of days later he said, you know what, that's what I'm going to do.
0: Yeah, I would think so. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. Best, but- I mean, I, I, I was like, listen, I, I don't want to give you bad advice. I mean, if the merchant insists upon it, then I would say, yeah, push down hard on it. But if right. if he's on the fence, then I said, you know, you really should put your machine in there, you know, and put the money in. And uh, put it mm-hmm. this way, every time I see the agent, he's very happy, you know, uh-huh.
0: I would think so. Yes, I would. Look, can I I want to ask one more question on this cuz it's so interesting to me. So sure. one one thing I've never understood, George, cuz I've never done one this way is so if if uh, an agent buys the ATM machine, like this agent, you know, puts in this bar and then the agent is also funding the machine, meaning they're putting their, you know, they're getting the cash from the bank or whatever to put in in there. How do they get their money back? How does that work exactly? Is it like a weekly okay. deposit or something or what?
2: Well, they're getting the fun- as the funds are getting withdrawn, those funds are getting reimbursed back into their bank account the next day,
0: and so that just flows through your company, basically from the banks or, or whatever. You're getting the money back and then funding it to whoever funded the machine.
2: Yeah, actually, it doesn't even touch my account. It goes from the processor right into their account. So, how
0: long? How long that, of a delay? Like, I was just curious how much float they need. Like, how long of a delay is it usually?
2: Uh, listen, if somebody comes today before three o'clock, yeah, we it tomorrow it'll be in wow. the, It'll hit the account tomorrow.
0: Now, so that's not bad. When, yeah.
2: You know, using my baseball analogy, my baseball stadium analogy, the problem there is it's crazy busy on the weekends. So, right,
1: right. So uh, he could run I mean, out of cash conceivably if he didn't plan right.
2: Well, the problem is that Friday night deposits, Saturday and Sunday, doesn't hit till Monday. Right, right. Right, yeah. Yeah, that yeah
0: very be. interesting. I think this is an interesting interview just because I think a lot of people listening to this have no idea how this works until now. And I yeah. mean, even I didn't know that last part of it. So very yeah, interesting. very interesting.
2: Yeah, yep, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, listen. Like I said, it's it's we're, we're like yourself. You know, you've been in the credit card business for a while. You both know the game very good. But the problem is, uh, you know, like I said, you might not have the bandwidth to learn everything about the ATM. And, right, you know, right. Our, our companies there. You know, it's really what we specialize in. We work with a lot of uh, subs and agents, and we we've we've got them to where they need to be. You
1: know? Yeah. Well, I, I have one more question. If you, I think we have time. Yeah. Um, sure. You know, George, the markets been a buzz uh, about cash discounting over the last year or two. I'm curious if you believe that cash discount programs might draw, uh, drive more cash withdrawals from ATMs.
2: Uh, I'm, I'm, I've dabbled a little bit in, in credit card processing over the years. Uh-huh. Uh and I'm, I'll be very honest with you, I'm, I'm very excited about cash discounting. I have a, you know, like I said, I used to be in the restaurant business, so I have a network of restaurateurs sure. and diners, you know, that I know throughout the city. Right. Over the years, some I might be related to. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've built up a, you know, a book over the years, you know, just, you know, somebody would call me up like a relative. Hey, my credit card guy disappeared. Can you help me? Uh-huh,
1: right. Uh-huh. Right.
2: And uh doing that, you know, I have a book, you know, a couple hundred merchants over the years, you know? Uh so you know, when I talk to these restaurateurs, uh, like I said, it's really my old tribe and I know them well. I speak right. so they're excited about it.
1: Uh-huh. And, sure.
2: And and and, the, and then the conversation becomes All right, now I got cash discounting. How do I get this how do I get more cash in there?
1: Right. And now I can show you my ATMs.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, we are already having that conversation. And, and and the reason why I, I see it happening here more in the Northeast now, especially in New York City, mm-hmm. uh, again, because I'm very plugged into what the restaurant tours are going through, is the uh, $15 minimum wage happening. Right. Uh, rents are going through the roof over here in the city. And, and this is happening everywhere throughout the sure, country. Sure,
1: it's happening right? in sure. D.C. too. Sure. <laughs>
2: every major metropolitan area that's happening where minimum wage is going up, the rents are going up yeah. and, uh, you know, they're co- you know, the low unemployment, great for the country, but bad for a employer because right. now you know gotta pay more money to get employees. Right. And, um,
0: they're looking for ways to cut costs.
2: They're, they're looking for a significant way to cut costs. And, and where I would talk to these guys a year ago about surcharging or cash discount or whatever you want to call it, uh, they wouldn't even, you know, they would kick me out of the store. They wouldn't even <laughs> entertain the idea.
1: Right, right. right.
2: And now they're uh, they're like, listen, <laughs> this is a Titanic situation. I got to figure out.
0: Right. Mm-hmm.
2: You know, what's not bolted down to get, you know, sure, like to get floating. You know, they're, they're thinking of any solution to keep their business going. You know. Yep. Well, great. So, care discounting is the answer. You know, one of the answers.
1: Best? And 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 ATMs is uh, fits along with that
2: exactly it it does it it's it's a tango. you know yeah They're both right. very well
1: well, George, this has been really very enlightening. Yeah, Thank you Ab I really appreciate it. Um, for the folks out there who uh, might want to get a hold of you or learn more about uh, access one, can you give us uh, your contact information, please?
2: Sure, absolutely. Uh, my email is George s at access one dot com
1: uh-huh
2: it's uh, george spelled like with a g s as in sam at access 1 1 spelled out atm.com and my cell phone number which is always best to get me uh, i'm very just don't call me at eight 3 in the morning uh, oh okay but, but people call me all all hours of the night uh 646 739 2660
1: this has been great george thank you so much for taking the time thanks and, george look forward to chatting with you some more in the future.
0: This is Questions from the Field, brought to you by InstantQuoteTool.com. With over 30 training courses covering everything from sales objections to statement analysis, ISOs are using our learning management system to help new agents understand the industry and how to sell merchant services. Industry veterans love our courses because we dive deeper into concepts such as interchange, and explore new industry trends like cash discounting, NFC, and the resurgence of American Express with the OptiBlue program. Put all of these training courses together with the leading proposal creation tool for merchant services agents in the field, and we believe our branded ISO solution and individual user package is a must-have. Visit instantquotetool.com today or email support at to learn more. My name is James Shepard, and this is questions from the field. Our first question comes from Michael, and I'm going to summarize this question. It's a really good one. Basically, the, the concept here is that you know the merchant services industry is very competitive, as we all know, and so we're talking about setting yourself apart with free giveaways, or you know, what are some things that you can do for the merchant, kind of out of the box things to set yourself apart. Uh, Patty, this is something I'm really passionate about. I think uh, it is overlooked in our industry, so mm-hmm. I'm just going to rattle off a whole bunch of ideas okay. real quick that I've used, and maybe one of them will stick with somebody and they'll use it. Okay. All right, you ready? Uh, number one on my list, bring a terminal into the shop with you. This is not a giveaway, um, but you remember when you were in school and you know you had show and tell and everybody paid attention when you actually brought in that item. Guess mm-hmm. what? Merchants do the same thing. My favorite bring along right now is the point terminal. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's cool looking. You know, bring that thing in with you, um, and that'll you know that'll start a conversation. Um, as far as free giveaways, so the simplest one is money. Um, I used to have a uh, little marketing piece. It's hard to describe on a podcast, but it was like a third sheet of paper, like a thing of a trifold brochure, but you cut all the, the mm-hmm. you know yeah, pieces up, right. And it was a hundred dollar bill. And it had, you know, hundred dollar bill to kind of look, but it had marketing information on the back of it. Uh-huh. And I'd walk in, hand that to the merchant, and say, um, you know, hey, I know that, you know, you probably get, uh, you know, attacked by people in merchant services industry. I'm different, you know. Now you don't believe that because you don't know me, and I understand that. So I don't have, you know, what I do is for my clients, no contract, no long term commitment. Um, I know that you're going to be so happy if you work with me. But just to prove that to you, the day that you sign up. I'm going to walk back in here with a real $100 bill and hand it to you for signing up with me. And you can keep that. And if you decide after two or three weeks you don't want to work with me anymore, that $100 bill is yours. Nice. And that worked really well for me for a while. Um, I also liked it because you can do sense of urgency with that kind of stuff. You know, uh-huh. now I'm only doing this for this week. You know, that kind of thing. Right. Um, and so that's that's helpful. Um, so that's one. A couple of other ones that you can do. Uh, business cards is actually mentioned here by Michael which is an interesting one um, I actually like doing logo design uh, was a good one and I'll tell you why you can go on a website like upwork.com freelancers.com fiverr.com you can get a uh, you can get one of those uh, logos developed for 100 bucks 150 bucks mm-hmm. um, but you know to the business owner most of them have a terrible looking logo right. if they have one at all. Right. and so you can say hey I do a free logo design you know our team does a free logo oh, design very for cool. you know yeah. um, I've even gone so far as to do a free free website. Now some of you won't be able to pull this off because you don't have the technical uh, capability to do so, but if you're familiar with like WordPress websites, um, mm-hmm. things like that, you know, you know, WordPress.com has gotten very easy to use. Um, many businesses don't have a mobile friendly website. So what I would do is I'd offer them a quote unquote free website, but they still have to pay just the the hosting cost, right. which of course I would mark up. So it'd be maybe 49, I've gone all the way to $99 a month um, and so it's, hey, 99 bucks a month, but you know, we do the design for free. Mm-hmm. Well, now you're making 80 bucks a month off of the website in addition to your residuals. Yeah, so sure. that's another really, really good giveaway. Oh, I'm trying to think of some more here, Michael. I guess I'll leave it at that. Um, you know, there's just so many other ones that I could think of, but you know you really want to think of really creative things that you can do for them. I've done marketing materials for people. Um, I've done consulting for free, like I'm a, a certified QuickBooks Expert, um, and so I'm, hey, I'm a certified QuickBooks expert. You know, part of my packages, I provide this, you know, consulting for free to help you. You know, so there's a million things you can do, but think about your own strengths and what you can offer the merchant, and make sure you're offering that to them. Uh, you know, in exchange for them signing up, having that relationship with you,
1: and make sure it's quality.
0: Exactly. And Mm -hmm. I think it's just a shift in in, uh, perspective, really. It's just a shift of, you know, it's not about selling merchant services. It's about establishing a relationship. Relationship. Yes. You know, Um, Rex asks a question here. Now that Chip EMV is launched, are there some sales tactics you've seen to work? Um, You know, I don't know, Patty, your thought on this. I know we talked about EMV in a previous episode a lot, but, you know, in my mind at this point in the market, if I walk into a business and they don't have a chip reader. Yes. I talk about that. Sure. And I say, you know, hey, you know, whether you go with me or not You need to do this. You gotta have chip. Yeah. You know, do you understand like how that works? Maybe I could take a few minutes and explain it to you. And again, whether or not so the way I use it, Rex, is I say, you know, the idea is I'm just concerned for them. You know, it doesn't. You can use me. You can use somebody else. Doesn't matter. But, you've but got you got to have a chip reader, this. yes, right? right? And then, of course, usually that's going to lead into they're going to work with you, hopefully. But um, you'll find that that you just go in there with this attitude of, you know, uh, it doesn't matter who you use. But you know, I, I really, you know, no matter who you're with, I want to make sure that you know you're you're secure and the data's protected and things like that. Um, and that's that's really really important. So good question there from uh, from Rex on the EMV, and again, I think it's just EMV has gotten to that tipping point now to where when it first came out, it was more novel. Right. But now it's, it's more of a… It's a of cost a, of doing business. Yeah. Now it's just a sales tactic of like, do this. Yeah. It's like, you sure. know, you, you kind of have to do this. Uh, interesting question here from Joe. He says, what are we doing to compete with cryptocurrency? Uh-huh. So it's kind of interesting. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know there's some processors that are setting up to, you know, accept certain cryptocurrency. Sure. Right. Um, and, you know, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you answer this one, Penny. What do you think about this? Uh, Any thoughts?
1: You know, I, I'm not necessarily
0: convinced you can compete
1: with them. Right. But I think it's, it's worth investigating having that as an offering. I mean, there right. are a handful of processors who can do this. Right. Right. Um, it takes a it, it it takes a real understanding right of the I mean you just can't go into this business right. blind right um, you know but there are certain markets where cryptocurrencies are very high ticket items it for is. example yeah. you know I know somebody who told me they sold it to a Lamborghini dealer mmm you know? Um yeah. well I guess if you can afford a three hundred thousand dollar car right. you know. Right. Then yeah. you know you and you know, the cost is such that, you know, the way these things are the thing about cryptocurrency that I think has makes a lot of people uncomfortable is the volatility of the market. Absolutely. But the way a lot of these uh, processing arrangements are set up, uh, you buy something, let's say you're buying it online and most of right. them are online, sure. You have Five or ten minutes to finish that transaction. Right. And kind then, of like it's, when you buy it's getting tickets. it's immediately
0: converted. It's into, being immediately you know. converted. Right. So sure. you,
1: there's no necessary, no necessary risk right. per se. Right. Um, but then again, that being said, I've heard stories. I think it was Home Depot mm-hmm. um, was taking cryptocurrency mm-hmm. and it was holding all this cryptocurrency in its portfolio. And uh, then cryptocurrencies lost. A, yeah.
0: What seventy percent? I don't even know. At least fifty.
1: Yeah, it's a lot. You know, it was a lot. It went from something like eighteen thousand to nine or ten thousand. Yeah, per Bitcoin. Per Bitcoin. Um, yeah. and you know, so you know, it's not something I would suggest that you do, you know, trade in cryptocurrency to make money necessarily. But there are certain types of. Um, yeah, I
0: just I just looked up.
1: I just yeah, looked up 66, Bitcoin. Yeah, sixty
0: six. sixty six ninety five is where it's at from eighteen so thousand. Right,
1: so it's <laughs> lost two thirds of its value. Right,
0: right. Yeah,
1: but you know there are definitely some
0: some markets where where right. this appeals. It makes sense, and I, you know I look at it a lot like um, accepting Apple Pay. Mm-hmm. It's like, are you going to get tons of Apple Pay revenue? No, no. But it's cool to put the sticker up. Uh It's cool to say we accept Bitcoin. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's amazing some
1: of the places that I've seen that accept. I saw a nail salon that says we accept Bitcoin. Yeah.
0: (laughs) A nail salon. Really? You know, but, you know, to each their own, right? Yeah, exactly, right? Well, this has been Questions from the Field. If you have a question, just shoot us an email, james at ccsalespro.com, james at ccsalespro.com. Patty and I will do our best to answer your questions. Thank you, and talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production from greensheet.com and ccsalespro.com. We hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.